Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wildbo's most tattooed work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Subordination 6.4, which starts with uh, Blake... Yeah. Telling Conquest that he's got a plan, and Conquest is uh, completely unsurprised. <laughs> yeah, and so actually, before we dive into this, I, I I know normally chapter summaries are something we do at the end of the chapter, but mm. this is the most excited I think I've ever been to talk about a chapter uh, for this podcast. Oh, wow. And I, just, I just have to, like, because in 6.3, uh, I was sort of saying how I felt like that chapter was, you know, the, the calm before the storm, like mm-hmm. we were basically seeing all the chess pieces that were on the board and then this this is really the chapter that delivers on that like this last chapter we saw all the pieces and now it's about like setting up the board like the and that doesn't sound as exciting like that's, that that, that <laughs> right, simply didn't really <laughs> that simply didn't really convey the the amount of excitement i have yeah. for this chapter like this was this was fantastic because it's not quite the action yet but it's all all the sort of character beats being delivered on uh, that uh, that we were sort of reminded of last chapter. Like this is you know everyone picking their sides and 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 getting ready for uh, you know the big fight that's coming up. Like I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, it is fun, isn't it? Um, you do get to kind of the the drafting of the teams is a part that's just very. It is just fun because it is like. Like picking his allies for the next arc or maybe more. Um, yeah, yeah. It really. You're right. Last piece. Last chapter is kind of the setup for the setup. This is the real setup that gets you really hyped <laughs> for what's about to come. Yeah. Well, exactly. Last chapter was pulling all the pieces out of the board, and this one's putting them on the board. And yeah. Yeah. It's actually very exciting. Oh yeah. Um. Um. But yeah, as you said, conquest. Conquest is not at all surprised, uh, and, and in fact, he goes on a bit of a rant about how he expected this because hope is built into humans because of natural selection of their fathers and, and, and kind of blah, 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 and Blake kind of cuts them off, which was hilarious, uh, but I, I thought what was even funnier was just after this, Blake sort of says, oh, well, actions speak louder than words type thing, and Fel just has to jump in with like, have you been paying attention, like, <laughs> at all? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it, uh, yeah, it's great. Like, Fel just completely undermines Blake's entire argument um, yeah. very quickly. Actions not speaking louder than words is like practicing 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's like the whole point of the awakening uh, ceremony. Um, the, I, I like Blake. You said Blake cuts off conquest, and you're right, he does. And we get this real vibe of Blake just kind of being over it to an extent. Um, he obviously kind of has to play along a bit to get conquest to go with his plan, but he, you really get the sense Blake is just kind of sick of all of this shit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely, the thing that sort of is starting to come up is he's only really nice to people now or, or like, genuinely considers what they're thinking uh, in, in his last two chapters when it's it's useful for him. And like, you know, so with Isadora, it was sort of in his interest to keep her on yeah. side, whereas then when he was talking to the shepherd, it was just like a, a whole fuck you attitude. Yeah. And you see that here. When he's not actively trying to manipulate conquest... All of his conversations with people are just like, he just doesn't have the time for subtext anymore. He's just, as you said, he's over it. He's just fucking fuck this, fuck that. Like, yeah. this is how it is. Yeah, uh, which is not probably the best move because it does, <laughs> I don't know, he's probably burning some bridges. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it to me came across as trying to appear powerful. Like, there's a lot of moments in this chapter where Blake is, you know, scared out of his mind, but trying to 
look more confident than he yeah. is. And, and I think it, it fits in with that a little bit, but there's also probably a tinge of just he can't anymore. Like he, yep. just, he, he just can't. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I also just wanted to pull out this, this whole bit where uh, Conquest suggests that maybe he thought or he, that he thought Blake was trying to sabotage himself by cutting himself open mm. and Blake's like no no I, I did that to continue doing the things uh, and, and Conquest considers it and he's like I believe you uh, when the younger Bahame reported that you had bled yourself out I thought you were trying to make yourself so weak as to be useless uh, and Blake just responds well I still beat him so I couldn't have been that useless <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there's just this little line about Duncan glowering at, at Blake which yep. is just uh, eat shit, Duncan. That it's was a hilarious. solid burn. Yeah, he, he totally did fuck over Duncan while, you know, in the middle of his uh, terrible trials and being basically the weakest we've ever seen him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it was great. And then uh, yeah. I think the last thing I need to pull out from this starting bit, uh, and, and this is the cut down version of what I wanted to pull out. There's there's so much great stuff in this whole uh, this whole chapter. Mm. Um, but we learned the definition of a cabal. Uh, at least within this context. And it's specifically, it's like the term for a diabolist group or circle. Uh, mm. And it's apparently a big buzzword uh, for, for witch hunters. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, like Tyler has a bit of a reaction that I would deem appropriate to this. Uh, mm. and, and Blake sort of realizes like a whole new level to how much he's he's done goofed by yeah. bringing these guys <laughs> He really might board. have fucked over his friends here. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I like Tyler basically interjects with, oh shit, reactions multiple times throughout this chapter. Um, and Blake is kind of like, throughout the whole thing, he's kind of got this vibe of, tried to tell you, tried to warn you. Um, yeah. Yeah, which, like, I, I don't think that's fair at all. I don't think there are any words that could possibly convey this, uh, <laughs> appropriately in any convincing sort of manner. Like, I think if he, if he genuinely covered this... They probably would have thought that he was being hyperbolic anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, for like, sure. it's, um, yeah, I, I think that's probably a little un- unfair of him, but he- he's stressed. So, I-, I also get that reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Conquest and Blake are talking, uh, and, and Blake kind of reveals his plan to challenge Conquest to a contest. Um, basically, you know, hey, prove that you can conquer me, uh, and then, you know, I'll, I'll let you have dominion over me, I suppose. Yeah, and there's some bits in here beforehand where he, like, tries to turn Laird and Conquest against each other, and, like, <laughs> it, go- it goes even worse than his attempt to turn people against Laird at the council meeting back in Jacob's Bell. Yeah. Um, I think Blake needs to realise that he's never going to find people who are willing to hate each other more than they hate him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just... Uh, yeah, but uh, it's it, it's a good idea. I mean... It, well, no, it's not a good idea. It, it's... In- <laughs> It's in the top percentile of ideas available to him, I guess. Yes. Yeah. It's a good idea <laughs> relative to all the other Ghibli. ideas he's had. <laughs> um, I like the bit where he puts this conquest, this contest to conquest. Um, he <laughs> he says, conquest, I said, ignoring Lard. Sorry, Laird, not Lard. Uh, yes. <laughs> the seventh seal. Hmm? Ah, yes, conquest said. Um the Seventh Seal is a 1958 film that Conquest kind of knows uh, is about a man challenging death, and Blake kind of spells it out later, but it's a pretty weird reference to make to talk about this challenge. Yeah, it's pretty deep. Like, this this movie from over 50 years ago that's Swedish, uh, like, obviously the whole choose your own game to play against death is a bit of a, like, pop culture 
yeah recurring theme what is yeah this is just like a really obscure reference for blake to pull out like I, I don't i don't know what else to make of it it's just weird uh it was also a bit of a long shot to assume conquest would know it like i know yeah. conquest is old but he doesn't really strike me as a movie night kind of guy you know like yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know it's it, it's it, a it, weird it was a bold pull. strategy but it, it worked i guess yeah um and so they're kind of defining terms to uh to the challenge and it's uh, something i really like about this is it's so rushed um conquest basically says we will have decided the terms to this contest before the time is up which means a minute and 30 seconds and and basically yeah. they have to rush through the terms and blake has to make some quick concessions because you know if if they don't finish the terms in 1 minute and 30 seconds he's he's pretty much screwed <laughs> Yeah, well, and and that sort of brings up one of the things that's been underpinning this whole conversation up until now is uh, Led just chimes in every now and then with a with an update on how long till Pose will be free. <laughs> like it's it's so fitting, it it's so perfect that Led is the one giving the time updates. Like yeah, it, it's it's such a nice little detail to the whole scene. Yeah, obviously putting aside the time magic thing, it's just so like petty. <laughs> <laughs> which is such a perfect a perfect thing for Laird to be reduced to um yeah yeah it, it's great um and then of course rose rose sort of chimes in for about the first time uh asking blake uh you you went and got other people involved yes without asking me stupid so many things wrong with that plan and, mm. and blake thinks to himself you've been through a lot i'll let that slide <laughs> uh, which is just i i love these two so much uh because like, Rose is right. This is fucking dumb. Uh, but we've already covered that. But this is so not the time and place. Like, it's so Rose to just ha- have to feel the need to tell Blake that he did this thing wrong when, like, he doesn't need this right now. Um, so, like, I, 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 I'm probably more leaning towards Blake's side of it right now. But I just, I just thought this was hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's really not the time, Blake. Um, <laughs> it seems like their relationship is getting more and more strained. And Blake even calls that out later in the chapter, which we'll get to, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, it feels like there's, there's even a bit more going on at the end of the chapter. Yeah, uh, I guess we'll get there. But uh, there's also this, this whole section where Blake kind of, as he's trying to convince Conquest to agree to the contest... Um, and we've got to come up with a different word for that. Ch- the challenge. Um, <laughs> the challenge, yeah. Um, as, as Blake's trying to get Conquest to agree to the challenge, they sort of get into this argument about what con- what counts as Conquest and what isn't. And, like, I mean, I guess it's like a fishing expedition. Like, mm. like a fishing expedition is the is the generous term for what's going on. But phrasing in some of it makes me feel like Blake is trying to convince Conquest what doesn't, doesn't count as Conquest, which mm. I don't know how you're going to go there. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a long shot. Um, Conquest kind of rightly points out that this is a bit more like war or conflict, which is about you know t- fighting for an ideal as opposed to the ideal of just dominating someone else. Um, yeah, and and yeah, Blake tries to go for this because this will make Conquest want want to agree, but it it doesn't end up working. <laughs> no, I mean what eventually works is he he figures out if he says some sort of dumb stuff. That yep. angers Conquest and puts Conquest in a point <laughs> he where he has chicken, to conquer Blake. Yeah. He, he pulls um, the old, what are you scared? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, it kind of works because he basically puts Conquest in a situation where he has to conquer Blake, um, which is, you know, sort of this whole thing about manipulating him. But I think I feel like the original part of this plan was also to hopefully make things less conquesty, so that Conquest would be like expending power because when he's not being conquesty he expends power uh, yeah 
Yeah, but it, yeah I mean, it was, it was always kind of a long shot that you could convince <laughs> Conquest that something that isn't Conquest is Conquest. So yeah. uh, baiting it and creating the situation so your ideal, well, not ideal plan, but your the plan you're going for, uh, he needs to conquer you as a part of it, like, works. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's a... I think this is probably the weakest part of his plan, but he does eventually get Conquest to agree uh, by calling him chicken, as we kind of said. Um, <laughs> and they start to hash out the rules. Uh, they'll each choose five champions and they'll battle in this kind of like real life chess game where they can't use their own powers, but they can actively command the, their champions. Uh, yeah, once... like move over Harry Potter wizard chess. Yeah. Uh, this is packed wizard chess. This is gnarly. real wizard chess. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it adds a lot of dimensions to uh, Harry Potter wizard chess, I think. <laughs> um, the game, of course, ends once one of them yields, or in Blake's case, dies. <laughs> um, although I don't think Conquest will kill Blake, because he obviously needs him to be his uh, demon portal. No, well, didn't we learn in Fell's part of the Fell lineage interlude that uh, they seem to think Rose will be able to do it without Blake? So <laughs> Yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So uh, you know, like he he can he'd have Blake die. I'm sure. I'm sure he'd love that. Uh, either way, it's maybe uh, not. Probably maybe not. He great, would, great news. <laughs> no. And, and I, I mean that that whole imbalance where because obviously conquest is immortal, so he has to yield and like good yep. luck getting conquest to surrender. Um, yeah. That doesn't really seem like his deal. Uh, but there the, there is a sort of a, a number of times Blake intentionally leaves some loopholes yep. for conquest to because he wants the con. He wants the the challenge to seem slanted so that Conquest will sort of feel like he has an advantage and say yes. And it's because he is giving him an advantage. Like, he's not, it's not just seemingly, but uh, yeah. I guess at, at, at best, it's a bit better than Conquest thinks because Blake is aware of these holes. Uh, well, but, uh, it, it is, yeah. It's kind of similar to what he tried to do to Pose, I think. And that didn't really work out, I would say. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still think it's a pretty clever plan on the whole. I mean, it's it's Blake has kind of pulled together things that has have been floating around in his head for the past two arcs. Um, and yes, it's not super. It's not a fair contest, um, but it is. It's it's a much better. It's a much better situation for Blake than just kind of being owned by conquest. So it does give him a chance. Um, yeah. No, well, I, I mean, you know, these rules wouldn't have been agreed to if conquest you know, didn't think that he had the advantage in them. So it was it was yeah. probably necessary. But, uh, I mean, uh, he is setting up a competition where <laughs> the odds are even more stacked against him than they probably could be. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's... it's well, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess Blake has to make some concessions to, to even get the situation to happen. Um, yeah. Mm. So Conquest accepts with a condition. When he's won the contest, he can demand what he wants of Blake. Uh, and Blake responds with, fuck me. I was expecting that, and it still almost knocked the wind out of me to hear it. Fuck me. Fuck. It was scary, and it was almost as bad as falling victim to the lawyers. And I want to pull this out, because, I don't know, is it? Does it feel worse than falling victim to the lawyers? Like, I don't know. Being, being one of these... Falling victim to the lawyers really means agreeing to become a lawyer, which fucks over the world, I suppose, but... You know, he gets to just kind of go around and and do errands. <laughs> I mean, so we think. Like it may be worse than we're expecting, but uh, on an individual level, I, I do have to agree that being owned by Conquest would would seem worse. Uh, yeah. Overall, uh, just for you personally, but uh, yeah, no, it's an interesting moment where you know Blake knows this is coming, but it's still 
tough to hear. Um, yeah. That's, that's kind of, you know, that's very uh, realistic. I, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, he basically is agreeing to be owned by Conquest if he loses this challenge, <laughs> which was what was going to happen anyway. So I guess it is a it is an out. It's still, it'd be a powerful moment to go through. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, just actively agreeing to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now we have the two kings and they pick their pieces. Uh, Conquest picks all the strongest people around town, basically. <laughs> um, Laird, the eye, the shepherd, the astrologer, taking her away from Blake and elder sister so that he has kind of the, the, the sisters of the torch at his command. Um, Blake basically has to pick all of the things that he already had given up to Conquest. Uh, he takes the hyena, Pose, uh, and Rose, as well as some left field picks with Maggie Holt and Fell. Yes. I oh, I lost my shit when he picked Maggie. That was great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... And I mean, there's this whole bit where he doesn't pick Tyler and Alexis basically because he's banking on Conquest being so insecure that Conquest will still like lean towards the more powerful things and yeah. won't use a pick just to take something from Blake. Um, I yeah. mean, he takes the astrologer, but the astrologer is a much bigger piece to take. Than <laughs> yeah, a, I think the astrologer is a more tactical choice than Alexis. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a less emotional choice, really. Yeah. Um, but talk about it being risky fucking business to be Blake's friend. Like, yeah. Uh, wait, Tyler and Alexis kind of call him out on this a little bit later but uh like yeah there's this moment where blake sort of looks at alexis and she's like terrified and because we haven't heard from her like all throughout this i think like, yeah. tyler's the one who's sort of standing there going holy shit like oh my god like people are gonna torture us uh and and you know alexis is is sort of being silent and i think it's yeah. important that blake gets this moment to turn around and see that no like She's fucking terrified. Yeah, she's not just playing along. (laughs) Uh, She seems kind of shocked with how this is all developing. Um, But Conquest doesn't choose them. He he does go for the more powerful picks, of course, as he as he is a bit of a of a insecure boss. Um, He picks Fell, um, and and it is. It is great. It's this team up that we've kind of been waiting for for the past two arcs. <laughs> um, and of course, Fell kind of wants to say no. He he knows that this isn't a great shot, but it is his only shot. And so he kind of agrees to play along. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, Blake puts him in a pretty tough spot. Like, you know, Fell has been wanting to sort of make subtle moves and, and Blake basically forces him to make a massive move against Conquest right now or like help him stay in power and it's a bit of like he he really forces fell's hand like i think fell's response of fuck you but yes uh sums <laughs> yep. it up perfectly <laughs> yeah uh especially because conquest kind of subtly commands fell to say no like he's sort of like fell can say no uh which makes it even more important when fell yep. says yes yeah <clears throat> um I, I think the final bit from these picks i really wanted to pull was uh rose is is uh Blake's first pick, and so he says, like, uh, I name Rose as my first. And Rose, perk- Rose perks up, and she's like, why me? <laughs> and, and I, I, I feel like, Blake, I, I'm reading condescension into this, but there's probably yeah. this, like, feeling of, like, just come on, Rose. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, come on. Like, <laughs> work with me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Just... I love this because like it's such a great embodiment of their characters. Like Rose is so tactically focused that she she didn't think Blake would pick her because she's not the tactical choice. Yeah. Whereas it's so Blake to to, to want to help her get out <laughs> of conquest. Like like so of course he would pick her first, but like it doesn't occur to Rose. It's it's great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's really not the tactical choice, and I think it does kind of throw Rose <laughs> off a bit. Um. But they've picked their champions, and the conquest begins. Uh. And Blake. 
as they're leaving, Blake makes Conquest relinquish his his claim over um over you know Rose, whose shackles fall away, and Phil, who is kind of released from his service for now. <laughs> yeah, woo, freedom. Um, and Conquest says, "You are hereby freed. Let it be known what I have claimed, I will reclaim." Uh, temporary freedom yeah so stakes are up uh, and everyone's kind of banking on blake not fucking up we'll see um blake and his crew head yeah. outside and they emerge into a kind of spirit world version of toronto <laughs> yeah it's i mean you you sort of skipped over uh blake taking pose like obviously pose is one yeah. of his champions and this whole moment is just boss where he yeah. where he takes pose um like he gets pose to permanently agree to hop back into the book entirely whenever commanded like yeah. and, and i mean based on the phrasing like that's a forever thing it's not just within the confines of this challenge so yeah. that's huge but just watching blake power play over pose was great like he keeps just walking away uh <laughs> when po- whenever pose tries to like soften the deal yeah uh, it's I, hilarious i kind of feel bad for pose because they spent so much time like you know negotiating the finer details of this contract <laughs> that was going to be set up and then pose comes out and he's just completely fucked <laughs> <laughs> yeah he i mean I, I agree i kind of felt a bit bad for him and then i kept having to remind myself that he's like a demon imp yeah. thing so like yeah. fuck him but also yeah like i did kind of feel bad yeah um yeah so so blake and the crew get outside and uh he he sees rose kind of off to the side in the mirror and he thinks rose hadn't even said hi to my new recruits my circle my cabal i kind of missed the point where i could talk things out with her we needed to return to that point. Need being the operative word. I wasn't sure we could survive if we couldn't. Um, so yeah, they're, they're in a bad. They're in a bad place. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, we're seeing that more within the ranks in this bit as well. Like Alexis yep. and Tyler are coming to terms with what's just happened. I think. Yep. Uh, and also the fact that Blake did kind of risk them. He did use them as pawns, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and gamble with their lives or even more than their lives i don't yeah. know like gambled with putting them in a fate worse than death situation um yeah and evan's also quite upset at blake for picking the hyena um like we we saw a bunch last chapter like we called it out twice how evan doesn't really tend to let go of these things and and blake you know doesn't really argue against the whole hyena thing very well he just sort of says oh well Conqu- conquest can't have it and then he has that bit where he tells everyone to shut up because he just needs a moment to yep. think um yeah but it doesn't really feel like evan's gonna let this go and and you know i'm worried about this maybe driving a little wedge into evan and blake's uh you know relation working relationship which so far has been pretty good yeah so we have uh blake's entire cabal his champions basically none of them really like him that much at this point <laughs> um i mean except maybe maggie who's uh who is a left field pick uh she's the only well, one that I mean, doesn't have a kind of grudge against him at the moment yeah although again once she sees what he's signed her up for she might yeah true <laughs> um yeah uh, so Blake and his crew, they head back to Blake's apartment to kind of prepare for the coming uh, fight. And Fel kind of informs Blake what <laughs> what he was trying to tell him during the tower scene, um, that he's basically completely alone for this contest. Yeah, like because part of the part of the challenge's rules are people who haven't been named as champions are mm. sort of free to pick their own sides and the like blake and conquest can't really pressure them too much like they can't order them but they can like appeal to them yeah and uh basically fellas telling blake that no one is going to join you including uh 
sorry, yeah. including Isadora, uh, because <laughs> she really liked the stability. So that's uh, that's another Elliot prediction shot down 100% uh, in the very next chapter. Yeah, um, pretty much. I, I feel like much. I'm. I feel like I'm impressively bad at, at this prediction game at this yep. point. Like I just need to start predicting the exact opposite of what I think is going to happen, and and apparently I'll do be doing better. So yeah. Um. With that in mind, I predict that things are about to get better for Blake, Alexis, yep. Tyler, Tiffany. They're all going to be fine. Yep. Uh. You know, it's all it's all uphill from here. Yep. We'll put that down in the prediction sheet. Uh. They're all a hundred percent fine. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so Fel basically explains that Conquest is a bit of a figurehead. Um, he's predictable and everyone kind of knows that he's, uh, a, a lot more bark than bite in certain situations. And so they're all kind of happy for this immortal figurehead to just be the, the, bear the brunt of everyone's, uh, political schemings while they just kind of sit in the background. Yeah. And, and it's funny cause we, we actually talked about this like a fair bit, I think right at the start of arc four, mm. like we mentioned how if Blake had picked up on this so quickly, it was a bit ridiculous to assume that the others hadn't and they yeah. were holding him there for some reason. And I, I guess that sort of slipped my mind, but I hadn't considered this for a while, but it, it just does make sense. Like having an immortal who's predictable would just bring this sort of stability, you know, like obviously there's some issues with him, but I guess compared to the instability of as they said all the ways practitioners can kill people like this would bring a certain level of uh consistency to the way toronto has been running for well over 100 years yeah um and and this obviously kind of really sells that the sphinx is not keen to help out um I, oh yeah. I wonder what it means for for Jeremy cuz he wasn't named as one of the champions, right? Um obviously he has a vested interest in keeping Blake in Toronto and kind of screwing him over, but also he clearly is not a fan of Conquest and has made his own moves. I'm kind of curious where he where his allegiances will end up. Yeah, no, for sure he's he's maybe going to end up being the wild card uh in in this whole fight because Fell and Conquest are definitely both under the impression that Jeremy is anti-Blake for some reason, uh, yeah. and we obviously know why he has been appearing that way, but you're right, he does seem to be one of the few people who would like to uh, take Conquest's throne, and maybe he'll either betray the Duchamps or, or prioritise helping Blake and that mission over the Duchamp mission to, to fuck mm. Blake over. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. We'll see. It might even end up that the Duchamps kind of see it working Change out. Change their if, mind. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I want to pull out this line because it, it kind of brought up a thought that I hadn't thought before on read-throughs where Blake is trying to get in contact with Maggie and he says to Fel, can I have your phone? I asked. You don't have a cell phone? Fel asked me. I, no. I'd like to know how you get by in this day and age without a phone. I just do, I said. I never really thought about it. He gave me a funny look, but he handed over his phone. Um, so this is the second beat of Blake not having a phone. The other one happening when he kind of yeah. had to search for Evan's, uh, search for info about Evan before he went and, and kind of claimed him. Um, and this just seems so odd to me that it kind of, it jumped out at me this time about as, as maybe hints of like erasure demon shenanigans. Like maybe Blake was using mm. his phone as a light and it got eaten. I, yeah, I, I love this idea. Like it's, it's perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm, he I'm headcanoning it, uh, regardless of whether it's actually true or not. Um, mm. it, like the bit where Blake needed to borrow Fell's phone doesn't mm. quite make sense to me. Cause as far as I can tell, the erasure demon doesn't add fake memories. It would have just, that bit would have just not happened in yeah. the memories or yeah. in the text. But 
Um, th- that's one little prickle against, like, I, I just love <laughs> the rest of this so much. I'm going to ignore that being yeah. and, and just talk it up to some other weirdness or something. Uh, it, but, it... like, Blake's Blake's hesitation in answering Fell is what really sells it to me. Like, Blake's yeah. like, I know. Like, it's a, it's only just occur- occurred to him that he doesn't have a phone, which yeah. really sells this, this whole maybe thing to it, me. Maybe it... Because, you know, thinking about Blake... It, he is kind of the kind of person where you can imagine he wouldn't have a mobile phone. Um, or, or he may not have had a smartphone. Like, he might have had one of those old Nokia things. So, he yeah. needed he needed Fells for the for the Googling and the Google Mapsing, but he didn't usually need it to call people. Yeah, thinking about it as a, as a character beat for Blake. Like, it is such an odd thing that my mind jumps to Erasure Demon, but it might just <laughs> be um, that there is something to Blake's past that kind of explains this a bit more. Um, or maybe it's just that all Wabo protagonists have weird relationships with telephones. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And so obviously he uses this phone to, to message Maggie on social media because he <laughs> yeah. can't find her, her phone number online, which is a good thing, I think. But, uh, like, what do you reckon he wrote? Like, like, how yeah. do you, how do you just hit <laughs> someone up on like Facebook? It's like, hey, Maggie, it's it's your mate, Blake. Well, especially, it doesn't actually mention that he signed into his own accounts, but yeah. I assume he did because I, fi- I can't picture Fel having, like, an Instagram account. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just I just love to know what, what this message was to Maggie. Like, how do you convince this, this poor uh, teenage girl to come down to Toronto and fight in a yeah. war for you? Hey, I've signed uh, you up to this uh, war for Toronto. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> yeah. You've been conscripted. Um, yeah, uh, and the last thing I really wanted to bring up is I love the the extra details we get on the spirit world now that Blake's in it, but not in a way that he's, you know, because he's like three quarters dead. Mm. Um, and, and like all these little details, like how things that like get lots of attention or love and well-traveled places are very vibrant and like larger and healthier and yeah. places that are neglected are actually smaller. Like it, it, it lines up with animistic beliefs really yeah. well. Um, but it also makes me think, like, it seems like the spirit world is very much at the mercy of the mortal realm, like, because, because yeah. I, you know, we get the impression that things like Isadora and stuff, this is like their sort of native world and they dip into the mortal one because stuff happens there. But like, you think they're probably a bit bitter about that because their world is dominated so much by the mortal world and, well, you know, humans are idiots. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, I- and they don't have as much control over mortals as they used to. So, like, I wonder... Like, that'd be pretty frustrating to be these powerful beings whose world is so easily manipulated by a bunch of idiots. Yeah, I think the two are probably linked. And so, obviously, you know, if if humans stop visiting a popular tourist site or whatever, it, it kind of shrivels up. But there's probably a reverse to that where if um, others kind of pour energy into a place, it becomes more appealing to humans and it kind of revitalizes a bit. I think it's, it's probably not yeah. a one-way relationship. No, that's a good point. We've seen how runes encourage the spirits to encourage humans to do stuff. So I think, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, it's more to do with the spirits, and I guess we've seen that people from both ends can can manipulate those. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um. So that brings us to the end of six point four. Uh, starting next chapter, we have the conquest contest begin for real. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Um. I'm so I'm so excited. Before then, uh, we decided that we would uh, take a look at at people's comments from uh, five years ago, see what people are saying about how the chapters are playing out. Um, 
Before we do that, remember, we still have our discussion question going on, so make sure you leave your responses to that in our discussion thread, either for last week's chapter or this week's, and we'll talk about it in, I think, two chapters' time, since this is a, yes. a month of heavy bonus episodes. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and uh, I, I forget the question's exact phrasing right now, but it'll be in that discussion thread, both those discussion threads, so yep. you can see it there. But it's something along the lines of introducing people to Pact uh, in the world of Pact and how you do that. Yep, a crash course in 15 minutes or less, how do you introduce your friends to the world of Pact? Uh, I mean, yes. pr- new practitioners. Um, yeah. So, anyway, let's dive into some comments from five years ago. I put out a comment by a user called Nega Darkwing, um, and their comment was talking about how now that Maggie's back into this, this probably counts as uh, Blood and Fire Round 2, or what we assume is Round 2, knowing that we've seen Round 1. Um this doesn't bode well for, for Maggie, uh, because Conquest kind of has the eye of the storm, a literal spirit of, of fire <laughs> and, and uh, danger under his service. Um, and, the, uh, and the eye, which is very fire-related too. Yeah, so uh, things are going to get <laughs> pretty bad here, I think. Jeez, um, um, I, I have to go double-check. So, because with Maggie's whole thing, there were going to be three watts of the blood and fire type stuff, right? Yeah. So this, yeah, okay. So this is potentially round two. Wait, I don't think she's already had a round two. This wouldn't be round three. Yeah, uh, we um, definitely don't know about a, a previous round two that she's had. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, it makes me think. You know how all the champions got moved into the spirit world uh, mm-hmm. as a part of this. I, I mean, you know, I don't know how far spirit long distance communication goes, but I wonder if Maggie just got dumped into the spirit world already. Like, that'd be that'd be. I I don't think that's what's happened. Maybe it'll be as she comes into Toronto, but. Yeah, I just have this hilarious image of her like eating dinner or something, and then she just gets she transported into the spirit world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so then I I've picked out a comment by a user named Subak, and I'm just going to read the whole thing verbatim because uh, it, it works so well. Um, so first off, they open with a quote uh, from Conquest, who says, "For my third, uh, I take the Elder Bahaim. He owes me a service for my mercy in regards to his nephew." And uh, then Sabak points out, uh, Conquest, you don't really need to call in that favor. Like, fucking with Blake <laughs> is apparently Laird's sole hobby. He'd do it for free. I mean, you could probably even charge him for the privilege of getting to kick the shit out of Blake, mm. uh, which was just a hilarious little observation. I, I love that. Yeah, I, I like that, you know, uh, for, for Laird and probably Jeremy Meath and Duncan and a bunch of people around town, um, maybe even Pose <laughs> included, uh, they kind of would just like to fuck with Blake. I mean, Conquest could have had open signups for his champions and there probably would have been a fair <laughs> amount of, of action there. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it really speaks to his manipulability uh, that, that Blake was able to get him to pick all the... <laughs> sort of boring strong picks yeah, and all not, the people that like, he would have gone that would have fucked him up anyway yeah exactly like, yeah exactly like led it led would have been on team conquest regardless of whether he was picked it was a stupid pick yeah yeah anyway it's uh <laughs> it's good that that blake managed to successfully predict it and kind of simulate his behavior so much um yeah that's our the end of our discussion about subordination 6.4 i'm very excited to get into uh, the next arc but that will have yes. to wait, unfortunately. That will have to wait until Wednesday the 8th, uh, when we'll be talking about 6.5. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to talk about the discussion question or anything else in 6.4 between now and then, uh, head into the discussion thread, which is in the show notes below. Yes. Um, if you want more information about the show, you can head on over to doofmedia.com, where you'll find info on Deep Impact, as well as all the other shows on the Doof Media Network. 
Um, yes, in fact, on the Doof Media Network right now, they're having the Parahumans Fan Art Contest. Yes. Uh, which I believe closes at on May 27th at, at midnight, uh, and that's Pacific time. Yeah. Uh, the uh, theme for the, the contest is relationships. Uh, so get yeah. if, you're, uh, if you're keen, get your best relationship-themed uh, material, make a nice piece of artwork, and you could win. I think there's a, a cash prize, as well as like, runner-up prizes, yeah. and the glory of, of being the best uh, <laughs> fan artist in the Parahumans uh, community. Yeah, uh, and, and one of the perks for being a patron of the Doof Network is being able to vote in that contest. So yeah. uh, as, well as, as well as submitting some art for it, why don't you come and join us in the Doof Patreon and, and get to have your say in which one you think is the best. Yes, uh, and now an entrepreneuring Patreon might realise that, that they, they will have a, a small ability to sway the odds in their favour <laughs> if they sign up. Yeah, um, that's right. You, you, can, you can vote for yourself as well. Uh, is that, I, don't actually, I haven't actually checked if that's true or not, but it seems on its surface like a, a possible exploit. I mean, obviously, you, there'll be a number of people voting, but who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, if I could do art, I could test out this theory, but I can't yeah. do art, so I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, while you're on Patreon, you should also check out Wildbo's Patreon, patreon.com slash Wildbo. Um, obviously, he makes all these great stories, uh, and he is completely supported by his audience, so do that. Support him. Um, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and so apart from that, I guess we'll see everyone on Wednesday for 6.5. See you then. See you then.